What's up, guys? Rick here with your DFS preview for this week's WGC FedEx St. Jude Invitational. Coming off an awesome Olympics where Xander Shoffley gets it done. I hope you enjoyed that. But turning the page to another short field, no-cut event with all of the best players in the world teeing it up. So it should be a good one. A couple of quick notes. If you are looking for more content, there will be plenty of that. So uh, your regular betting preview will be coming out later this week and three different opportunities to chat with me live Wednesday the 3 p.m. Eastern time uh, regular FedEx St. Jude live chat all your questions and answers your ownership whatever you like that will be happening of course then 8 15 p.m. Eastern time on Wednesday is an opportunity uh, to join the jock market all things uh, stock market DFS that is the power hour where Joe Idoni and myself take you through the most critical points of that IPO phase and then Friday while I know there is a no cut event don't tweet me, Rick, there's no cut this week. I know uh, we're still going to have the cut sweat show, but we're going to call it a watch party. So that is going to go off at 5 p.m. Eastern time on Friday. And while there will be no cut to sweat, we can look at your lineups, how they're doing. We can talk about the implications of uh, positioning and the data and how that looks forward to guys that you might want to bet with two rounds to go uh, you know, over the final 36 holes. So there's going to be plenty to talk about, plenty of things to get through. And uh, I like doing it. So let's do it on Friday. Also, all of the tools that you see are from my website. It's rickrungood.com. Um, I love it. I think you will too. It's all the data and things that you can possibly imagine. So what? Uh, if you want to win a subscription to rickrungood.com, there are two ways to enter a draw. Number one, if you're on YouTube, uh, make sure you're subscribed to the channel. You have to be subscribed. Make sure you like this video and comment below with who you think is going to win this week's WGC. The other way and the easier way to win uh, is to go over and leave a five-star rating and review on the iTunes version of this show. The link is in the description. Say something nice. Leave me your Twitter handle. Do both. Get two entries into the draw. Those are your ways to win. Let's not waste any more time. Let's jump into this week's WGC FedEx St. Jude Invitational. All right, TPC Southwind. This is a course that we are very familiar with. It has played host to some type of event for a long time. Remember, this used to be a full field event at TPC Southwind. It used to be called FedEx St. Jude Classic. And then two years ago, it was elevated to this WGC status and took the place of WGC Bridgestone. So we've seen this countless times. Daniel Berger has won on this course twice in the full field version of this event. And we're back on Bermuda. It's a par 70. And I think the most uh, interesting feature about out, this course is the smaller greens 4,300 square feet on average when you start to get down below 5,000 square feet on the PGA Tour um, first of all there's not a lot of courses that do so but they tend to skew a lot smaller think of Harbor Town um, I think I mean Pebble is even smaller than that usually the smallest on the PGA Tour um, the P PGA West has kind of smaller ish Bermuda greens as well so that's kind of the course that we're thinking about and what we've seen historically is as with most places playing out of the fairway is going to be optimal but you really need to kind of be precise both off the tee and especially on your second shots if you're not you're going to be playing from greenside quite a bit in some of the bunkers or just in the the thick rough uh, on the side of the green so a couple of different ways to get it done these are the best players in the world they all ball strike it pretty well we'll figure out a way to decipher between them 
the cheat sheet is absolutely phenomenal. I mean, this field is stacked, isn't it? I mean, you get the you get some of the guys coming back from Tokyo. Xander Shoffley, Colin Morikawa, they're at the top. There are six golfers over $10,000. Morikawa does lead the way. Not only is he on an absolute tear, played well at the Olympics again, was in that seven-for-one playoff for the bronze medal. Xander Shoffley, who comes out victorious last week with the gold medal in hand, 10,008. Brooks Kepka. At 10-6, Jordan Spieth, Dustin Johnson, Roy McIlroy rounds out the top of this range. I think one of the big questions is, what do we do with the guys playing in the Olympics? Well, uh, this is at least the better trip back, right? You gain time coming home this way. It's not like going to Tokyo and having to, um, uh, you know, lose the time. It's actually better going back this way. I still think it is a heck of a trek, guys. Like, uh, you know... Patrick Reed, we'll get to Patrick Reed. Patrick Reed is in this field. He has made the unbelievable trip from uh, from England to Minnesota to Tokyo, now back to Memphis, four consecutive weeks. He's crazy. Um, but the top of the 10K range, you know, listen, I think if you if you deducted something for the guys who made the travel last week, um, I don't know how well you did, right? Because uh, DJ, well, DJ didn't go to the Olympics. I'm trying to see who would have went and played both of these. Reed did. He finished 22nd at the Olympics. That was okay, <clears throat> but probably underneath his, his expectations. So we can kind of treat these guys pretty much straight up. Um, what I will note about this is the highest price golfer only being 11,000 is very, very interesting. It's soft. You're going to be able to make a lot of lineups. And so when I see something like that, I always think it's pretty enticing to play the top tier guy. I mean, Morikawa has been legitimately unbelievable. You want to see something scary here? So we know Morikawa was in the uh, the bronze medal playoff, seven for one. Lost strokes on approach in Tokyo. Isn't that wild? Lost a stroke and a half and finished fourth at the Olympics. Was phenomenal off the tee. Putted really, really well. This is now a stretch of golf where he continues to putt well. I don't have his open championship metrics because they don't exist, but we know he was number one in the field in putting that week, at least in terms of like, you know, putts per hole or something like that. Um, so you are looking at a guy who is in the midst of a really good putting stretch, who is literally the best iron player on planet Earth. So, and he's only $11,000. It's going to be really hard for me to pass up on Colin Morikawa. Um, and his results have been insane, right? And, and of course, I, and I do have the Olympic metrics. These are the real Olymp Olympic strokes gain numbers. They've been loaded into the database. Have fun with them. Morikawa lost a stroke and a half uh, on, on approach. It's absolutely wild. I'll probably be going right back to him again. Xander, if, if, you, if you like Morikawa, you have to like Xander. We can kind of look at some of his metrics uh, from last week. You can argue there is a bit of a hangover. I don't know how to quantify that, so you're going to have to do, do that one on your own. Um, but as expected, he was all around pretty darn good at the Olympics. He gained strokes across the board. That's normally what he does. Gained four on approach, gained four putting. It's a deadly combination. We saw it all week long. And at the end of the week, he's donning a gold medal. So um, certainly not against either one of these players, but the, 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 the next two, these are the two that I wonder how the public is going to treat these guys, right? Because you have Brooks Kepka at 10-6, Jordan Spieth at 10-4. On paper, they are just phenomenal values uh, for a couple of reasons. Brooks Kepka is seemingly healthy, seemingly on fire. You know, he finished uh, fourth at the U.S. Open, fifth at the Travelers, sixth at the Open Championship. And then you look at his results here. And remember, this is only going to be the third year that this event at TPC Southwind has been a no-cut WGC event. He's gone first and second in those two years. Uh, unbelievable. I can pull up his advanced metrics here. 
even further. And I think it'll just continue to impress um, what he's been up to. So let's load this up real quick. Yeah, just constantly gaining strokes off the tee, constantly gaining strokes on approach. Again, seems healthy, healthier, right? Every single week, it seems as if he's getting healthier, which is a really scary thought for the rest of the field. And then Jordan Spieth, while I'm over here, you know, what is there not to like about Jordan Spieth at this point? Uh, he is having, outside of John Rahm, he's probably the best player on tour this calendar year. Uh, he has gained strokes on approach in every event dating back to the Arnold Palmer Invitational. He is gaining a bunch of strokes are, uh, on and around the greens. He's got that magic back. The The driver, the driver, guys, this is what's crazy. Remember when Spieth was horrendous and he went, what, three and a half years without winning? Look at his strokes gained off the tee. He went from 2020 Memorial, so that was one of the first events back after the restart, until waste management in 2021 in February and did not have a single event in which he gained strokes off the tee. Not one. Not by accident. Didn't get lucky. Not a single one. What has he done recently? In every event since the Players' Championship, that is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine events in a row, he has gained strokes off the tee. Nine in a row, eleven of his last twelve. Of, of his last twelve, this—that's the key. I know you can you can point to the putter, you can point to the approach game, which has been bonkers. But he used to be hemorrhaging strokes off the tee. Now, if he plays to a zero off the tee, he is dangerous. And I'm really interested to see what the uh, the general public is going to do with these two guys. So that Wednesday live chat where uh, we go through ownership, it's, it's going to be critical this week because of this pricing in these two golfers. And with the popularity of those two, you imagine it leaves Dustin Johnson and Rory McIlroy in kind of this weird, awkward spot. Rory, um, let's look at Rory's metrics from the Olympics because I didn't think he played... <laughs> particularly great and he's another guy who's in that seven for one playoff for a a, a, a bronze medal excuse me uh, but it kind of looks like vintage Rory right looked good off the tee looked good on approach he actually putted well uh, for the first time in a couple of starts his best putting round since uh, the Wells Fargo championship since his victory his best putting tournament not round so uh, Rory's looking good he would be to me probably the most reasonable pivot play not only is he least ex uh, less expensive than Dustin Johnson who's coming off a miscut at the 3M Open the last time that we saw him but he is um, playing well. He's cheaper. I still don't think the sentiment is behind him because we really only count you know, success for Rory McIlroy in terms of victories. But uh, again, another it's going to be fascinating how this plays out because now we have six really viable, legitimate options above $10,000, and I don't know what people are going to do with them yet. While we go down to the 9K range, let's do something I haven't done yet. We'll go to the Holy Grail. Wow, this is probably the longest in the video I've ever gone without going to the Holy Grail, but I think it's time because we're going to start to try to have to decide between these guys. And I think one of the interesting things, because one of the unique features of TPC Southwind is the smaller greens, is to filter this by uh, small greens, right? Makes complete sense, doesn't it? So going back to the start of 2015, if we take this field and we take uh, greens that are small, which I believe I have set at... 5,000 square feet or smaller, uh, and we see who the top guys are. Well, the top guy is in that $9,000 range, and his name is Patrick Cantlay. And this is a really interesting situation because Cantlay probably flying under the radar. He did not play an event in July. Last time we saw him was the Travelers Championship. He was great there. He finished 13th. A couple weeks before that was the Memorial. So he has played, what, is this right? He's played twice since 
April. He played early June, late June, didn't play in July. Is that right? He didn't play in July? Oh, I'm, I'm a dummy. I'm only looking at small greens. <laughs> I'm such an idiot. I'm like, the Open Championship was in July. He had to have played in July. I have this filtered. My bad. I'm an idiot. But here are his last five results on small greens. 13th, victory, missed cut, third, second. Those are his last five on small greens. You see piles up top 20 finishes. If we remove that filter, actually what I'll do just to keep that filter in place is I'll just go to his golfer profile page and bring him up so we can see his full results. I was like, he has played more often than that. Um, but still, we haven't seen him since the Open Championship, which was now going to be about three weeks ago. And then he only played, that was the only event that he did play in July. So I do still believe he's coming in flying under the radar. Um, he's a really interesting, valuable option at the bottom of the $9,000 range with some probably more popular guys up above him. As of recording this, uh, Bryson DeChambeau still in the field, uh, tested positive before he wanted to, before he had to make the trip to Tokyo, and uh, I haven't heard anything since whether he is back in out of protocol or anything like that. But as I record this, he is uh, in this field. I do worry about Bryson this week. I love the price, but I worry about Bryson for a, a couple of reasons. This is a course that playing out of the fairway is important. It is also a course that. Um, you have to be exact on your second shots. That is the area that he has really struggled with. I also worry because, um, you know, his last, the two times he's played this or the two times this has been a WGC event at this course, he finished 30th and 48th. Those are not particularly great results. Uh, his win, he did win. Um, he's right. Or excuse me, 30th and 48th. Yes. And then he has a couple of other, he has a couple of other, finishes but those were when this was WGC Bridgestone remember again this is only the third year of this event as it currently stands and then don't forget um, the specialist that is Daniel Berger, right? Who has absolutely destroyed TPC Southwind in his career. So a couple of things about Berger at $9,200. If you go back to the Holy Grail, you continue to look at small green sizes. He is the second best player in this field since the start of 2015 in the $9,000 range. Cantlay was number one. Daniel Berger is number two. It certainly helps to have his history at this course, but let me pull this up for you. So if you go to Berger... And we just do uh, just do TPC Southwind. So here's the last couple of years. He won this event uh, as a full field event in 2016. He won it again as a full field event in 2017. He missed the cut in 2018. And then when this turned to the uh, WGC version of this. So then last year, he finished runner up. So it's TPC Southwind has been obviously a happy hunting ground for Mr. Berger. What's up, guys? Just wanted to pop in real quick and see if you're a member of rickrungood.com yet. If you have not been paying attention, there's been a lot of new data injected. There's been a lot of new tools. Things are constantly being updated. You're getting official PGA Tour strokes gain data round by round. There's a ton of Corn Ferry Tour information. There's a ton of Champions Tour information. The custom model has being, is constantly being expanded so that you can choose any metrics that you want and create lineups that way it's constantly being updated and there are a few ways to join it's seven dollars a week it's twenty dollars a month it's a hundred for six months or 200 for the year which also gets you access into the slack channel where there is plenty of discussion questions answers all that good stuff going on all the time so don't wait any longer subscribe to rickrungood.com the $8,000 range is pretty interesting. You know, uh, we're getting a real discount on Tony Finau. Sentiment on Finau is probably 
an all-time low. Uh, you know, finished 15th at the Open Championship. You, you started to think things were getting better. 28th at the 3M Open. That was much more of a full-field event. Um, I'm, I, I would like to do a bit of a deep dive on Finau here because this might be kind of an interesting opportunity to deploy him if we can find some good metrics here. Unfortunately, I'm not sure I'm finding them. Uh, 3M Open again. The 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 driver, the ball striking is really concerning. You know, he he missed, he lost strokes off the tee at the U.S. Open and the Travelers. wasn't particularly great the 3M, but he was he was fine. Has lost strokes on approach in three measured events in a row. Gained 5.3 putting at the 3M. That's probably one of his better. It is. It's his one, two, three, four, five, sixth best putting performance in the last six years or so that it's just, this is really concerning. I was, I was hoping to find some kind of underlying better metrics here that would allow us to invest in, in Tony Finau at 89, but I'm not sure I'm going to get there. Um, it is worth noting. I mentioned Patrick Reed playing four weeks in a row. He does play well on uh, small, small greens. I believe he's the number one player in the $8,000 range on small greens. The idea is, and it's kind of counterintuitive, you know, small greens, you want guys that are going to be able to um, hit a lot of greens, right? Distance control, ball strike, the heck out of it, all that good stuff. But the idea is because they're small, a lot more guys are going to be missing them. And if you're missing them, now it plays into the hands of the short game specialist, which is kind of where Reed falls into that category. So uh, interesting to see him at, at 8,700. I do have concerns about the four weeks in a row and the fact that he hasn't played all that well across the four weeks. He missed the cut at the Open Championship, 34th at the 3M, 22nd at the Olympics. His last top... 15, if you want to use an arbitrary number, was uh, the Memorial. It was a fifth-place finish there. I, I'm i not thrilled with with positive vibes, um, but I am kind of about Webb Simpson here. And this feels like, and again, I try not to do the feels-like game, but I need to balance out the data a little bit. Feels like a really good spot to deploy him. So let's do a bit of a deeper dive. And remember, he's, he missed a lot of the summer or kind of played through injury at that neck injury he had to withdraw from quail hollow played, played through it for a while. And if you look at his results on paper, they're not very good, but recently we saw him finish 19th at the open championship. He is a player historically once he walks off the tee box is one of the better players on tour. Now we're not seeing as much of that this year, but when you start to look at courses that might comp like a heritage, a place that expects you to be, um, really exact and really precise on a par 70 that sets up well for Webb. The other thing that I think is really interesting is $8,500 is really cheap without looking this up. I'm going to assume well, as I look this up, so I don't know why I'm saying that, um, that this is probably one of the cheapest we've seen him in a while in like a regular, let's see, I might be wrong about this. He's 8,500. He was well. He was 83 at the Open Championship, but that's a major. It's always soft. Outside of that, I mean, he was 87 at the U.S. Open, so he was cheaper, or excuse me, more expensive. So he hasn't been this cheap since. Wow. Okay. Uh, this event in 2019, outside of the Open Championship, you write that off because it's a major. The last time he was this cheap was WGC FedEx St. Jude two years ago. Finished second. I think that this pricing. For a guy who's like a real upside winner, right? You know, you wonder about Neiman's ability to win. You under, you wonder about Answer's ability to win. Or, uh, I don't know, some of these other guys around him, a Matt Fitzpatrick or a Shane Lowry or a Tony Finau or a Paul Casey. You worry about their, their ability to win. I don't necessarily worry about that as much with Webb. So this feels like, a especially well-rested, right? He hasn't played in a while. Well-rested 
an opportunity to get a guy at a really, really good, uh, really, really good price. I'm still pretty down on Tommy Fleetwood. I know that $8,000 price coming off a 16th place finish in Tokyo is really enticing. If you look at his advanced metrics and what he did at the Olympics, he, he lost strokes on approach. It wasn't much. He was basically a zero. This, this to me is not vintage Tommy. This is not the version you want to go to battle with. I hope that he turns it around. Golf is so much better uh, when, when Tommy's in play and, and we can roster him, but I'm not sure this is the spot. $7,000 range. Will Zalatoris is back in action. Uh, have not seen him since he had to withdraw at the Open Championship. Remember, he had a really thick lie. He took a huge cut. He was immediately doubled over. Uh, he, had, he actually said, I think it sent um, shooting pains uh, down his leg. So I imagine that if he is uh, healthy or if he's playing, he's healthy. That's kind of always the sentiment that I give most of these guys. And he has... Um, I guess he's got two more cracks at this. What Will Zalatoris is going to have this week, and he's going to have Wyndham. If he wins one of those, he will play in the FedEx Cup playoffs. Otherwise, he will not, right? Because he's not technically a full-blown member until next year. Uh, $7,900, I think, is interesting. Zalatoris had not been playing particularly well before the Open Championship, but if this gave him an opportunity to get right, to, to, to get back to his strengths, I do find that, I do find that pretty appealing. If we continue on that small green kind of narrative that we've been working with for this video, there's a lot of guys in the 7K range that pop up. Adam Scott, number two overall, number one in the 7K range. Justin Rose, number five overall, number two in the 7K range. Uh, Ian Poulter is also there. Brian Harmon is also there amongst the leaders as well as Mark Leishman. Those are your top five in the seventy or in the $7,000 range. When I kind of take that information and, and look at players that, that might be interesting. Um, certainly Brian Harmon is, is a guy that has been uh, incredibly valuable and incredibly solid this year, piling up top 20 finishes as he did in his last start at Royal St. George's, but I'm not as excited about this seven K range as I was about maybe the eight K. Uh, I don't see as much opportunity here to be quite frank. It's a range that concerns me generally speaking. There is not a single golfer in this range that has played uh, this event each of the last two years or has finished inside the top 25. Um, actually, there's one guy. Billy Horschel is the only guy in this field who has finished inside the top 25 of this event both years. He finished 25th last year and 9th the year before. There's a lot of other kind of lame results from some of these guys in this range, which is also pointing towards a lot of the concerns that, that I do have. The $6,000 range. This is um, this is interesting because now we have a lot of guys who did not play the Olympics. We have a lot of guys that are really good PGA Tour players, but they're being priced pretty cheap because this is a WGC no-cut event. So you have winners this year. You have Cam Davis. You have Sam Burns, uh, Cam Champ. I mean, you have guys who are actually winners. Carlos Ortiz, um, who played well outside of, was it his Sunday round at the Olympics that he really fell off? Um played well for all the majority of the Tokyo Olympics. And then you have to kind of weigh, you know, what does the time off mean? You know, for someone like a Max Homa, uh, the time off could be really valuable. So let's pull up Homa here. There are some good takeaway foundations of his strokes gain metrics. Uh, his results, of course, 
have, have teetered off a little bit. He has missed four of his last seven cuts. He has made each of his last two, including the Open Championship. And the good news is that in his last five measured events, he's gained strokes off the tee. That's a great sign. On approach, he's, he's doing fine there as well. He's gained strokes on approach in five of his last seven. Where he's really losing is the short game stuff. Now, he was giving it away. I actually interviewed him during this stretch, and he had said something like, I'm working really hard on my my short game and getting up and down and my chipping it seems that he has plugged that gap i mean he was handing them away at valspar handing them away at quail hollow handing them away at the pga championship was basically a zero or close enough for the next three events and then gained around the green so it seems as if he might have plugged that gap and then now it's really just the putter he's lost strokes putting in five of his last six that's not necessarily the dna for homa he's not a great putter but he has putted well at times and this is this is where you want to be really, really volatile. And this is what we saw from Colin. Uh, Colin Morikawa might have just turned into the best putter on planet Earth, which is going to be scary for a lot of people. But this is kind of the blueprint that Morikawa had a lot of times, which is you lose, you lose, you lose, you lose, you gain five. You lose, you lose, you lose, you gain six. You lose, you lose, you lose, you gain three. And, and the volatility of that means that when you putt well, you have top tens in you. And that's exactly what we're seeing here. The last two times that he's popped at the putter, they're they're both T6s. And and that's a really, really good kind of blueprint to have. And and not a lot of guys in this 6K range have a similar blueprint. You know, we look at Phil Mickelson, who has, of course, already a victory this year, but his blueprint is much less exciting. You know, he's he's laying things that are like, well, Outside, you know, now it just looks like the PGA Championship was just the the, the huge outlier, right? You know, he has, he's been much closer to a zero on approach in his four measured events after that. The driver has been much more sporadic. Uh, the putter, the, the the gains that he had saw that he had seen there, they're kind of lost. This is not as good of a blueprint. So when you compare Homa to a lot of his peers, it's at least enticing and and, and worth an opportunity because of what he could be laying. I think it's about time we run a model here um, because I've got a, I mean, I've got a lot of questions about that bottom range, and I'm hoping this pushes me in the right direction. Let's do the last 20 well, let's do the last 36 rounds. I think 36 has been better to us. So uh, the way that I'm going to do this, um, with it being a par 70, let's throw 20 on par four scoring. Let's do Okay, so I'm going to try to split this up a little bit. I'm going to put 10 off the tee, but I'm going to put 10 on driving accuracy, which is kind of like my own little blended strokes gained off the tee. I'm waiting strokes gained off the tee more because I'm also waiting accuracy again, but I'm also preferring you play out of the short grass there. Then I'm going to put 20 on or 25 on approach. So that leaves me with 35 left. I'm going to continue to do my little blended strokes gain total. So I'll put 10 on around the green, 10 on putting, which leaves me with 15. Um, what I will also do is, oh boy, 15 on, I have 15 left. Let's do birdie or better. And let's run this. Sort by, oh, whoops, my bad. Oh boy. All right. <laughs> okay. Abraham answer shows up every single week in this, doesn't he? Okay. Colin Morikawa is my number one golfer. Shouldn't be a surprise. He's number one player in the field or most expensive player in the field. Jordan Spieth is number two. I love that. You know, I gave you the Spieth rant. I get it backed up by data. Happy to happy to have him be my number two golfer, especially when he, I think he's the fourth most expensive golfer. Then it goes to Abraham Answer. Can we look at Answer real quick? I mean, he's been solid. What's his ceiling? What is Answer? We know what the floor is, seemingly. 
The floor is a top 20, which he did again last week in Tokyo. I mean, I guess the ceiling is top five. I guess I wouldn't be upset about any of these results this week. You know, if you took his average result from Valspar to Tokyo, which is probably, I don't know, off the top of my head, T15 or something like that, I might take that this week. He is 8,300. It'd be close. It would be close. I think I'm pretty fair on, on Abraham answer. Number four is Louie. No surprise there. He's been phenomenal. Five is Cantlay. Love it. Six is Brooks. Love it. Seven is Webb. Love it. Eight is Berger. Love it. Do I love it? This is my, this is, this is my favorite model ever, which guarantees I will whiff everything this week. But this is, um, these are the golfers that I anecdotally thought were undervalued, right? I get to live with Morikawa and Spieth and Kepka at the top. I get, I get Webb in there. I get Cantlay in there. I get Berger in there. These are the guys that I, yeah, this, this is, this is fun. Um, Hatton and, and uh, Paul Casey round out my top 10. Actually, Terrell, is Terrell Hatton criminally underpriced at $7,400? Is that? He's 7400 He's cheaper than Brian Harmon? Is that what we're doing? I know he's been a little bit volatile, but he's got the upside. He's got the approach play. He's 11th on tour in strokes gained approach. He's 19th off the tee. He's missed his last two cuts, with, with which were both majors. He's not going to miss the cut here. Finished second at Palmetto, 38th at the PGA, 8th at Zurich. There is a chance that Hatton is criminally underpriced here at 7,400. Wow. Okay. So this is a very, very interesting model that I've just run. Um, I'm excited about this. If you're excited about it and want to run your own model, go to rickrungood.com. Let me know what you think. Tweet me, at rickrungood. Leave a comment below. Best of luck this week, and I'll talk to you guys soon.